Hey guys, welcome to the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew, Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Special in the sense that we know him as Dalton Graham. And that's really all we know about him. So Dalton, you're going to have to introduce um, our very large audience to you know give an idea <laughs> of who you audience. are. Our national audience, because like right now, you're just a guy named Dalton. So take it away, Dalton. I mean that that's that's all that I am. If, if we're being honest, I appreciate the the very very special. But <laughs> um, yeah, me and Schwinn know each other from Twitter. Uh, both big Knicks guys. So I'm from Jersey. Uh, I go to I go to college here at Tulane in in New Orleans. I'm a chemical engineer major, and uh, I like to fight people on Twitter about about NBA topics. And I'm sure that's um. <laughs> It's my that's my relative claim to fame, I would say. So yeah, we got a good topic here, and um, I'm ready to break it down. I think there's I think there's a lot of um, different nuances here that that a lot of times people like to neglect. Yeah. So what we're going to get into today is the idea of what makes a great score, because as everyone knows who listens to this podcast, there really isn't much Knicks news going on other than like Tibbs being like the head. Coach, you know, favorite. We'll we'll probably get into it at this point. Ice, you just, yeah. See, like, I would be excited for like those type of reasons for Tibbs to be on the bench. Like, I'm very excited to hear him yell "ice" and almost die yelling "ice." Like that would bring a lot of joy to me. But I know, like, people who care about like winning and minutes distributions, you know, definitely will disagree. But that's the stuff I care about more than anything is the the, the comedic element. Maybe Mitchell Robinson will actually get significant playing time, man. I feel like that's the only scenario. Honestly, like, you know, it's like we all joke. We were just like, you know, Tibbs is like, there's issues with him. But he's 100% playing like Mitch and Nilakina. Like, there would be no, like, he's like, he just, he cares about like that type of like defense and switchability and like taking away stuff. So he's obviously going to play those guys. So that would be a good silver lining. But Oh yeah, we're and, they're, get into... they're, and they're playing until like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, like Frank and Mitch probably will tear, tear all their ACLs, but they're going to be really good <laughs> in those like four years. But <laughs> let's, let's disregard yeah. that for the moment because I want to get into discussing this topic for like what makes a great scorer. Because I, if you're like us, you're watching all the free games on like NBA hardwood classics because the league pass is giving away stuff you're watching the 80s you're watching the 90s you're watching 2000s you're watching tons of games in this current uh decade just you get to see the evolution of the game of what makes a great scorer and i think right now one of the big things that's like the focus of like this decade is basically scoring efficiency and you just see people like james harden for example right now is like it's a prime candidate as like the best scorer in the league because he's just hyper-efficient for like, getting to the free-throw line, getting to the rim, and shooting threes. But I think what is lacking, I think kind of like this nuance that we're going to get into, is I think it's just more than just scoring efficiency. Is that fair to say? And I'll let anyone else kind of dive into it from there, because I'm going to just kind of throw out the idea that it's more than just scoring efficient in the most efficient, most efficient zones for making yourself a great scorer. And yeah, I kind of want to explore that idea with you guys. Yeah, and I I think it's also more than just like your points per game, even um, because you know just to use an example, but like I think LeBron has um, 
I mean, he for his career, I'm pretty sure he averages more points than Kobe. Um, but like, I don't think there's for me personally, I don't think there's any comparison between them as scorers, like who is a greater scorer. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, then you're talking, then you get into like situations and playoff runs and all this kind of stuff that like evolved over the course of their careers. And, you know, um, like they're like, for I think Kevin Durant, all time, great scorer, just like a pure scorer. But, has he had to endure like has he succeeded when faced with genuine adversity and difficulty and elite opposition um even on the level of like a Kawhi Leonard um I mean right. that stuff like interests me because I don't like if you went if you took their careers and just put it them side by side it's obviously Kevin like Kevin Durant is a if you running down the list of all-time great players right Kevin Durant ranks above Kawhi Leonard like there's no question about that right now um Mm -hmm. but like if you're (laughs) if you're talking about who who do I trust to to carry me in a big game just a scoring load and it's like and when I say big game like obviously Kevin Durant has scored phenomenally in big games like he has won big games but like you know and I, I know we're all we've also gotten to this era where championships somehow like don't matter except when they want to matter in very specific circumstances <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. very uh, hard to track this stuff but like to me titles like when you're talking about great, all-time great players like titles are a fucking yeah that number matters i'm sorry like you can give me all the circumstances you want but it's always easier to find excuses than to actually do the fucking thing um so like you know yes there are reasons why kevin durant didn't win in oklahoma city right there, there are a lot of you can talk about the reasons all day but like he didn't win you know like ultimately that's that's it like he didn't fucking win and Kawhi, yes he's had a very weird career like a very interesting career arc and then had like a gap year in the middle of his fucking prime which is bizarre (laughs) um but like he went to toronto for a year and literally was just like okay well we're gonna win the championship now and went through 250 plus win a 60 plus win team and a 50 plus win team um in you know in the in the conference and then he obviously goes through like the warriors and yes they didn't have kevin durant but they still had steph curry they still had clay and they still had draymond like still a pretty formidable opponent um and like he did that and he won a championship and like it's not just that he won a championship it's 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 stuff like you know the stuff that really interests me is you know you look at his game seven against philly i think he scored 40 on 38 shots okay so you would look at that box score and off the top of my head, I, I just watched this game two days ago. And I would venture to guess that, like, you know, I mean, it, it's a terrible, like, if you're just looking at it on an efficiency scale, it's a terrible box score. Like, 38 shots, 40 points is not great. Not good. <laughs> it's not good. But, like, if you watch that game, he had to, like, he, the 38 shots he took, like he needed to take 38 shots. And like that in and of itself is a skill. And it's like, it's, it's, there's a talent that I don't know if it exists statistically to judge it based on the available metrics we have. But like when it comes to, I think the, the hallmark to me of great score of the greatest scores in NBA history are like what separates them to different degrees are the ability to kind of, adjust to situations and and also like 
controlling the pace of a game. And when it comes to controlling the pace of a game, I think Kawhi is by far right now the best in the league at like it, it within the court. Like, I mean, that Golden State series when he was with the Spurs, when he got injured in game one, if you watch that game, that just that first game, which, you know, he obviously gets hurt in like middle of the third and it goes to shit. But like he was just controlling like Golden State couldn't get out and run. They couldn't get out and run because every time the Spurs had the ball, Kawhi was able to like get into this his do his whole like 58 side to side dribbles like iso thing and just slow the game down to a halt and like you watch some of the jordan games and like that's like the, the last jordan game right like the game 6 98 like that is just jordan relying on like every trick every little bit of like you know every little thing that he had learned over the course of his career in one game and it's like all there, just controlling the pace, like realizing that Pippen has nothing, realizing that Rodman can't score, like all of that. And it's it's a similar thing. Like I think he took something like 36, 37 shots, something like that. And he's only, he scored 43 points. So again, like not super efficient, but you watch that game and it's it, – so like I don't know. That That's kind of like just my very broad overarching thought on how we talk about scoring. Yeah, I, I mean, you have that in new situations like LeBron in the uh, in the twenty fourteen finals when he shot like fifty eight percent from the field or something, but they lost by a record margin. I mean, they were getting blown out every single game, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this, this is something that people need to consider: is that um, it, it's it's all it's all context, and it's actually interesting that you brought up Kawhi. And Jordan, because those games are very similar. I actually have the box score up now. So Kawhi had 41 on 39 shots, and that was game seven. And nobody else out of the starters had even even remotely contributed. So I'm looking at the starters, and Siakam had – Siakam was the next best score. He had 11 points <laughs> on 11 shots. So, so then – I mean, and then you hear these, you hear these people – Oh my God, Kawhi! He hits the the only buzzer beating game seven game winner in in history, and you have kids online after saying, "Oh, but he took he took thirty nine shots." I mean, they just won a game seven, <laughs> which he hit a buzzer beater to win the series, and you're gonna get mad at him for taking shots. It's and like, like, if you watch that game, like nobody wanted to fucking take shots. Like I watched that game. There's so many times like Lowry and Siak, they don't want. They're terrified. They don't want the ball. Like, no, that matters. <laughs> and honestly, that that series, that was one of the most incredible single series performances by a player I've ever seen. I mean, he was just, he was he was very, I, I, I like the point that you bring up in, um, in controlling the pace because Kawhi is just, he's so methodical with the way that he scores. I mean, you, it's like, it's like night and day him versus a guy like, like Curry or and Durant to an extent. I mean, because Curry will hit you. 15, 20 points yeah. in whatever, four minutes. And it's like, you don't know what hit you. But Kawhi is just like this slow, grind it out, really. He's he's underrated strong. And he's always he's always in the post and he's always banging down low. He's drawing fouls. And that really wears a team out um, over the course of 48 minutes. So I think that's something unique to Kawhi. Um, when we talk about efficiency, I know you brought up Harden. Um, I like to use true shooting percentage, but I'm very careful with how I do. Um, and what I mean by that is essentially I, I consider it the best available stat we have for scoring efficiency. 
That does not mean that I think it's the best indicator of performance because I, I know for a fact there are four or five games that I've seen Harden Harden's easy to pick on in true shooting percentage. Of <laughs> <laughs> that I've uh, there there are probably four or five playoff games just recently that I've seen with Harden where I watched him. I said I, I expected way more from him. I expect. I mean, you averaged thirty six. I expect that, that game six. That game six last year. Exactly, and he'll have and he'll have a really good true shooting percentage, but that's because the game is a lot about momentum. And some okay, yeah, sometimes getting to the to the line and hitting and hitting two free throws. That's sometimes you need that if you're in a rut, but other times you need to be able to keep the the flow of the game going. And I think it, it's it's impossible to say without actually watching. But the way that true shooting percentage works in terms of um, talking about scoring efficiencies, it's essentially points per true shooting attempt, which is either a shot or um, a free throw. Or yeah. they, and then and threes are like weighted, obviously, to account yeah. for that difference, right? Points per attempt, and it's not points per shot, but <laughs> per attempt you have at scoring. So I think that that's the best metric for that. Um, but it's funny because the same people that will say, oh, like, true shooting, we need to use this. Um, some of these analytic guys, um, they'll, they'll, they'll quickly sweep under the rug how, how Kobe had um, basically the same true shooting percentage as Shaq and Tim Duncan throughout his career. Um, but when it's Kobe, they only look at field goal percentage. I just I thought I'd throw cool. it in there. Well, and, and also the thing with Kobe, too, is like, and this always drives me fucking nuts, is like, and you can actually even do this with Jordan a little bit, even though Jordan was just like, fucking freak who had like 60 true shooting taking you know 70 percent yeah like just mid-range free throws (laughs) (laughs) yeah like just doing crazy shit um but like you know kobe gets punished because people just look at these numbers in a vacuum like like okay oh zach levine 57 true shooting like like is he like like yeah okay but look at the league like the league average is higher like the league efficiency is way higher than it was in kobe's like peak years especially the early lakers teams like the fucking overall efficiency league was in the shit and like you're talking about a guy and and like forgetting that like okay this the floor was less spaced uh you're 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 understand like the shots that teams were hunting for and encouraging players to take are totally different like you had design sets for just like yeah, we want you to take this mid-range right here. Like, we want you to score from the elbow. We, You know, like, there, there's so many times I'm watching these old games, and it's like, how many times now do you, other than Russell Westbrook, who the fuck takes a pull-up 15-footer in transition? Nobody. Nobody does that anymore. And, like, back then, that was, like, a normal, That's a that was a good, that was considered, like, a good transition shot. That's, like, that's a good shot. And... It's funny because you know, obviously we all watch Knicks games. Like Clyde always says that too. Like, oh, I don't know why he didn't just take the pull up there. And it's like, well, Clyde, <laughs> uh, there's this funny thing we know about. <laughs> we know about now. Um, so like, yeah, the Kobe shit always drives me nuts because there's like people that are like Harden is better than Kobe ever was. Like, just stop, stop talking about basketball. Like you have no idea what you're saying because if you put Kobe in an offense where you know it's just like. This is such a misconception of Kobe too, where they're like, "Oh, he's like this ISO. He's just this ISO player who like hogged the ball and whatever." And it's like, obviously, yes, Kobe is one of the greatest ISO scorers ever, like for sure. But you know, 
one of the things about Kobe is he was actually pretty easy to play with for a lot of big guys because he can score. He didn't need to have the ball constantly to score. Like, yes, he had to get his shots up, obviously, but he could get shots up without controlling the possession constantly. And, like, you look at guys like Harden and Luka and Trey Young and all this shit, like, they're putting up... I mean, Trey is easily, like, like the, the worst most... Of them. Yeah, he is just, like, a fucking... <laughs> yeah, he's uh, so much empty air in those numbers. But, like, you know, Harden and Luka, obviously, let, let's stick to them because they are great players. Like, I, I'm not even trying to discount that as much as I despise Harden and I'm slowly starting to really despise the way Luca plays. Um, like they're, it, they're great players. I would love if they were on the Knicks and they, would, they're, <laughs> you know, they're all NBA t- talents, Harden. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, Harden, Harden was, you know, deserved an MVP and got it. And what are all this shit? I'm not trying to detract from that, but like, if you're taking up so much of the oxygen offensively, of course you're going to have these numbers that are incredible and amazing. And it's like, you look at Jordan's career, when he was just like doing his thing, his numbers are bonkers. Like, they're ridiculous. You know, he's what he had 37 and 35 in back-to-back seasons. Um, like, it's just crazy some of the shit he was doing. But like, you know, anybody that watched him, and if you go back and like watch his games over the course of his career... His best, like his peak, was when he confined his game within, like, to to kind of give his teammates a better opportunity to express themselves and, like, you know, kind of extend their own game and, and you know, just to kind of push the boundaries of what they can do also. So, like, Kobe, similarly, um, you know, he, he had that little in-between phase after – they broke up the Shaq, Kobe Lakers. He ha- he wanted to try to do his, like, I'm just going to do all, all this shit on my own thing. And, like, first he played with Rudy for, you know, whatever it was, 60 games. I think Rudy Tomjanovich got cancer, and then he quit midway through the season or whatever it was. But, like, right. he, there's a reason why immediately after that season Kobe kissed and made up with Phil because he's like, oh, yeah, so I guess this whole, like, system thing is important and you know the, he, he still had to play with like smush parker and carry that garbage ass i was just about i was just about to say like can we just go over who uh kobe's teammates were during like the time where he's averaging like 30 points a game it's a uh, lamar odom smush parker kwame brown and chris mim were the other top you know scores <laughs> on that team and it's just like do you really want kwame brown jacking up like 15 shots a game it's like, no, and then you don't really want Lamar Odom doing that either. Like, you want Lamar Odom in, like, that super role player where if he's hot and doing stuff, let him get shots. But, like, you don't want him taking a, a bulk of the offense either. You don't like, You don't want him to, like, have his primary focus be, we need you to score 20, 25 a night. Right. Like, you want him to be like, I'm going to get 15 and, like, 7 and 7. And, like, just, like, contribute that way and just do all the little things. So it's just, like, that matters, too, in the sense of, like, who the teammates are. And the one thing about Harden, I, I usually find interesting, just kind of the argument, like, between, say, like, him and Steph. I think Steph—I don't want to say Steph is underrated. Steph can scale down. As a, as a scorer. Right. It's more of—I think people underrate Steph's ability to both scale down and take any type of open shot. Right? Like, remember the what series was it? It was a couple years ago where the, the Houston went— like 0 for 22 oh, from God. 3. 27. Right, rem- <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever it was. And it was just basically like 
like three point shooting is such a high volatility. Like you sometimes just need to like not take like, like one step in for that stupid ass like twenty two foot like jumper, but kind of like going into like the free throw line, like willing to take that shot when it's wide open. And the Rockets, especially like James Harden, isn't willing to do that. Where someone like Steph Curry's like, yeah, I'm going to take that shot. And he makes it like 60% of the time. And that's a really valuable, like something that is like you need to do as a scorer and something Kawhi does all the time is when you're given certain shots, you're not only willing to take them, but you do make them. And I think that's what always attracts me from someone like James Harden and someone what Luca is going to be. But I think Luca, just the fact that he's bigger than Harden, may benefit him just like just literally bigger. Is you know you got to take certain shots that the defense gives you, and Harden doesn't do that. And I think that's what always makes to me always is always going to be Steph is such a better scorer than uh than Harden because like he can do everything off the ball, huge volume on usage, low usage, things like that, and. I think that's kind of gets lost now in the modern NBA where everyone thinks threes are greater than twos. I mean, like, you got to take those shots, though. And I think that's becoming lost. Or not lost, but there, there, I, I, people are losing, even though they're even though the best players are actually winning that way, which I always find interesting. Like, that's how Kawhi won, pretty much, was, like, yeah. working in the mid-range. Exactly. I mean, I, I think so much, like context just gets lost in that discussion because how many times do you hear oh mid-range is not an efficient shot well what do you mean and if like what what do you mean by that you mean a mid-range that i'm open at the free throw line because because the big man is dropping down into the paint a wide open 15 footer that's not an efficient shot i mean how many times a game do you see you see chris paul take that shot how many times do you see Kawhi leonard take that shot there's nothing there's nothing wrong taking that shot inherently I think, I think the idea is right, but I would much rather have an open 15-footer than a contested corner three or a contested top of, the, top of the key three. And I think that's where Maury Ball really annoys me <laughs> because they don't, they don't see that nuance. They just say, oh, we need free throw line. Uh, we need to get to the free throw line. We need to get directly to the basket or we need to shoot a three and, and there's no in between. And I think that was Chris Paul's biggest contribution to that Rockets team is that he was willing to take those shots. And I don't think, I don't think that they miss 27 straight threes if they have Chris Paul, because I think a lot, a lot of that was the momentum that it just kept building on them is like the pressure. Okay. We need to make one. We need to make one. It's been 15. It's been 17. It's been 22 shots. We still right. made one. But Chris Paul is the kind of guy that will come in there, calm down the offense and he'll, he'll work to, to get a good shot, whether it's a roll to the basket, and he's obviously mastered that pocket pass by now and the lob, but he can also always get you a good mid-range shot, and he and he hits him at like 48, 50%. Yeah, so he's I'm, like Dirk level. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, like you definitely like, want Chris Paul taking those shots. <laughs> like, yeah, like you're not gonna, you're never gonna make a mid-range at the same rate that you do a layup. It's just not gonna happen. But I think the trade-off that you get from challenging the defense. And making them adjust to saying, okay, this guy, this team is willing to shoot in, in, this, in this mid area. So now we have to extend our defense there. It makes, it makes everything so much easier for everyone else to score. Because right. if, you, if you know, like when you're playing the Rockets, you know that you're not going to have to guard the mid range. Like you know that. But if you, right. well, when you're only guarding the paint and the perimeter, 
it makes it so much easier. If you're willing to take that mid-range, then I think it makes everything harder. And, and that's another point that I bring up with Kobe, and that's why I'll never discuss Kobe and Harden. Honestly, it, it, it disgusts me that that's even a, a conversation when it comes to scoring. Look, I'm well, not... T- titles don't matter, so... I mean, exactly. But <laughs> even in terms of scoring, I'm not going to take away from Harden, like you said. He's a great scorer, everything. But is there a more predictable player, superstar, scorer in NBA history than James Harden? No. no. Uh, I would say there's one person. I would say it's Kareem. But that's for different <laughs> okay. reasons. Like, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> perimeter, perimeter score. Perimeter score. Well, yeah. Perimeter I, score, I, I would I think it's James Harden. I don't. I can't think of really anyone. And then no. on the flip side of that, I would say that there's probably not a perimeter score that is less predictable than Kobe Bryant. And I'm not going to compare numbers because, I mean, we can crunch those. We could talk about errors. We could talk about systems, spacing, all of that. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm, I'm looking at it from a point of Kobe, Kobe can go in the low post. He can go in the mid post and catch him in the elbow. He can run around curl screens. He can run off. He can run off pin downs for threes, and he can initiate at the top. He can, initi- he can initiate from anyone in the court. So essentially, a guy like Kobe or MJ or Durant, those guys, and you know what, even Melo to an extent, those guys that can hurt you in any which way about the court, that, that makes you a, not only a better scorer, but it makes you a better offensive player. And, and you brought up you brought up the mellow LeBron comparison, and this this is where there is a little bit of nuance here because I, I would never say that that Carmelo is a better scorer than LeBron. I would say that he's more versatile, yeah. and I don't think that's really up for debate. But see, if you're comparing LeBron to Melo, like there's such a big gap there in the efficiency, and I think LeBron's even probably got some more volume if you look at playoffs. Um, like Mellow's Mello's playoff numbers are have never like they've always been largely a big drop off from exactly. his regular season stuff. So when when the gap in production is that big, then okay, I can get over the fact that you know LeBron's not a versatile scorer. But if we look at LeBron versus Kobe or LeBron versus KD, there's not as big, if any, of a gap in that production. So I'm going to go with the guys that can hurt you on all three levels. And that that you know they don't need the ball out top with four shooters in order to run their offense properly. They they can run they can run it in a phone booth if they need to. Those are the guys that are, that are I consider the best scorers. So so uh, I'm just looking at this because this like I don't know I'm just kind of I'm just looking at Harden's you know last four seasons. Okay, so I think we would all accept that's kind of like uh, his best four seasons. Um, if you want to yeah. debate, like, 2014-15 was in that group, whatever. I don't really give a fuck. No, it's the past four ones because he had yeah. the uh, he was robbed of that uh, MVP because they gave <laughs> Mr. Triple-Double. Yeah, yeah just, just, a, just, just ask him. Um, so if no, you look, I actually think it was robbed, though, but that's a, I feel like that's a different discussion. <laughs> um, so if you look at Harden from 2015-16 through this season, okay, uh, he's basically been 61 true shooting the entire time. Okay, Uh, that's in the regular season. Now, then you look at the playoffs. Okay, over the same time period, the man is now in the playoffs. He drops to fifty-six true shooting. That's like that's a massive difference. It's huge. It's gaping. Then you look at Kobe's overall career, and mind you, like you know, 
it's a lot of them. I'm, I'm just looking at his career because I don't want to sift through periods of it. Um, but like <laughs> he's 55 true shooting for his career in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, he's 54.1. So like that lack of a drop off. And then like, I, I mean, I don't have the MJ stuff in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure Jordan's his efficiency might actually increase a little bit. I'll look, it up, think, I'll look it up right now while you're uh, making this point. But yeah. My, it's just like, when you are experiencing that much of a drop off from regular season to the postseason, it it brings you to the it has to bring you to the conclusion that like, okay, so, I mean, we all know everybody talks about this, but for some reason we never apply it. Like the regular season and the postseason are they're different fucking sports. Like they're they're totally different. You're not scouting, you know, with the same detail. You're not playing the same guy four, five, six times in such short order. Um, like. It's it's a totally different thing, and Bob Myers has talked about this. He talked about this at, I think it was Sloan last year, um, where he was talking like, about how, yeah, he was talking about how like, uh, you know, there are regular season players and there are playoff players, and then mm-hmm. there's like, and then within playoff players, there's a big difference because, you know, it's okay. Like you, if you're a great catch and shoot three point guy, okay, you're great at that. You're phenomenal at that. But in the playoffs, every team knows what player X's one, two, three skills are, right? Okay, this guy likes – what can you do when teams are coached up and focused on taking away your pet moves and your favorite shots? You know, right. what What can you do? And that is where, like, you know, somebody like Harden – and I, it's so weird with him because – you know, if you watch that guy at in OKC, and like, yes, obviously he's a greater player now, but he definitely had more like variety in the shots he took in OKC versus what he does now. And so it's that been dwindling. He had he had more variety earlier on in Houston as well, and then right. as as D'Antoni came aboard and as as the analytics um, movement really started going, then then they really started to cut back on anything that wasn't a layup or a three. Right, and it's like that. He has a mid-range game. I know he has it because I've fucking seen it before. You know, like I've seen yeah. <laughs> him. I've seen him do it, and it's just like I think if you want to be that absolute in the regular season, whatever. I don't really think it matters considering how good he is and just the nature of the regular season. But when you are like at some point in the playoffs, right? I don't know how many times you have to experience failure in such similar ways before you maybe like if you it's fine like if their ethos is threes and lamps we all understand that that's that's great like that's they're extremely efficient shots the most efficient shots it's a great strategy to prioritize taking their shots it is not a great strategy if like you are so absolute in that search that you will not even like adjust during the course of a, a game and like adjust to the situation you're facing. And that's to me where he really comes short in comparison to somebody like a Kawhi or even a Durant. And we can talk a little bit more about Durant, but like, um, you know, just the idea that there are situations where that shot is, is what you just need. And like, it, it is the shot that, the defense is kind of forcing you to take and you should take it because you need to make them pay. And it's funny because if you make them pay, that will probably open up the shots that you actually fucking want. Um, 
so it's I don't know the heart the heart and stuff really drives me nuts because some of it is just like his play style, but also some of it is like he's adjusted his game in the most boring way. And then if you compare that to like when he was coming up in OKC, like he was actually a really exciting, fun player. Like genuinely was a fun player to watch. And he, like like you know people forget this now, but I mean he closed out not closed out, but like he packed up the Spurs in that game five in the Western Conference Finals. Like, he just packed them up. And he was taking all kinds of shots. And, like, the comparison, I remember then, because, like, I really, like, wanted the Spurs to win one more and thought that they would never win another one after that, which I was obviously wrong about. Um, (laughs) But, like, you know, like, the comparison that was being made was, like, he's so much like Ginobili. Like, he's so creative. He's, like, reminds you so much of Ginobili. And now, like, and the thing that always attracted me to the Ginobili, and I think for most people is like kind of like this reckless abandon genuine kind of you know um like joy that he played with and like I yeah. feel like now when I watch Houston it's it's like watching a robot play basketball it is so soul-sucking and boring and dry and like I guess Russ has helped spice things up a little bit but it's still just uh, it's just watching them is just like this fucking mind numbing experience where you know exactly how each possession really is going to go. Yeah, and it was really the last, um, was the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess, when they traded Capello. Because then it's like, okay, that was like, might have been the most exciting play that they had. Was allowed to <laughs> now we have one more spot up through the guy. Right. So and I have. I have Jordan's numbers real quick before we get anything. So I'm not counting his Washington years because that shouldn't count for anything. So he, for his career, he was a 58 true shooting in the uh, regular season. And yeah. then in the playoffs, he was 56.8 true shooting. So basically it was a 1% drop off in terms of production. It's a Kobe drop off. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Like I, I think people don't realize like when you're so reliant on a hyper efficient way of playing, and then that efficiency drops, you know, like at least 4%, that it changes the whole dynamic of how you play. Because more or less, like, Houston relies so much on generating foul calls, and the refs are better in the playoffs because they get to, like, watch more film and, like, watch things more. Because in the well, regular they, season... They also they just, just don't call. Like, they're not going to give you the same calls. It's just the reality right, that's, of the situation. Right, because in the regular season, they're like, eh, whatever, it's close enough, right? They'll call it in the playoffs. They're like, no, we're not going to call like so many of these like ticky tack fouls that pretty much that Houston thrives on especially Harden and that's where things get tricky because like most of the time like Harden does the, that arm hook where he gets the foul on the regular season where he hooks the player's arm and he gets the foul call in, so the, in the playoffs they don't so crafty. Yeah, no, so crafty I fucking hate that or, but like in the playoffs they don't really give it they're just like dude you're you're hooking the arm we're not we're not falling for it now and I think that's actually probably more of like a league issue than necessarily maybe like a Houston issue too, because I think there's a larger discussion for that to be had where maybe the regular it, it season might, officials it might be the scouting shouldn't thing too for the refs. Like this, like right? Yeah, the refs are more aware of it too because they're seeing the same guy over and over again. Right. I think for even like that, I think the officials or at least the league should probably do something like be like, hey, let's tone down some of the calling because. Like Houston can make somewhat of a, like a really like annoying case where they're like, well, we got these calls in the regular season. Why can't we get them in the playoffs? 
And I think that's a larger issue for officiating, but then again, like that's they're also like the annoying kid in class. They're just like, why can't why can't we get it this way? So but yeah, I think that's one of the big issues is, is like a legitimate drop off in production. And I think that's where the great players are. It's not that they elevate, they just don't drop off as much. Yeah, and I think it it has to do with how versatile and how like predictable your game can be. So I think I think like the the perfect example of this was last year in the playoffs when we saw Giannis versus Kawhi because okay I, I get it Raptors had one of the best defenses I've ever seen they had perfect personnel mm-hmm. they had the perfect game plan for Giannis so it's not it's not like he could easily be shut down but the point is. It's the same thing that you saw with LeBron early in his career when he was playing San Antonio. They they sag off, they build a wall, and they they make the role players beat you. And you know, Giannis, it was completely different from Kawhi in that sense because the Bucks they had no they have no game plan to stop Kawhi because anything you take away, he's got something else to go to. With Giannis, if you know if he wasn't getting Euro step or spin move into the lane. Then it was it was George Hill and Chris Middleton trying to beat the Raptors, and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, go know. ahead, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't going to happen. So, I think that is um that's an important point that we that we need to constantly consider is is the versatility and how predictable you are because that's exactly what Bob Myers was talking about. I mean, mm. and and obviously the Warriors are incredibly. It was a total shot at Harden. Like it was definitely like yeah, right. You know what the hell you <laughs> it absolutely was, but I mean, they have no shame, and they shouldn't because I mean, the, they're also the, the, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing. They, they annoy me, and 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 you know what? It might be a little bit of a of a of a tangent, but I, I what I don't like is when people say, "Oh, well, like the the Rockets they have to play the Warriors every year." That's like it's the only reason they're not winning, dude. I guarantee you. The Rockets went to the finals last year. They are losing to the Raptors. I don't like. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to hear oh, it. Yeah. I don't even I, want to hear it. I don't and, think people realize how good that Raptors team really was. Like they replaced Demar Derozan with Kawhi Leonard. Like that's it now. Like the Raptors were already. And they got Danny Green. Like I, they, I still yeah, don't understand yeah, that trade. No, like that <laughs> team was really freaking good. They they were they did not just lose because it was the Warriors and 2017. <laughs> Well, Harden game six, he was at the strip club that night. Like, yeah, eight points or something. Yeah. In 2016, Steph was out. And 2015, okay. The 2016 one is actually really interesting because people totally forget about this. But, like, Steph basically missed three and a half of the five games. Right. And and they got smacked around. Like, it wasn't like hard like it wasn't even a competitive series. Like, they were down 3-0. And then Harden won his, you know, he had his fucking you know, moment game. in the sun in game four, just a meaningless game. He won they, on a mid Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and, then, and then they go to game and then, yeah. And then they go to game five and they just get smacked again. And it's like, and the, and to, to also to your point, like, Oh, well, if they didn't play the, the, the warriors, they, okay. But like, that's how eras work. Like that's how dynasties work. Like, I can sit right. here all day and say, oh, well, if the Knicks didn't have, play, play the Bulls in the 90s, they probably would have won a championship or two. Like, yeah, but they did. Yeah. And, like, that's <laughs> that's why that's why Jordan was the most the dominant best. player. Of it. Yeah, that's why he's the best because, because he did win constantly. Like, you can sit there and say, you know, oh, well, he had, they had to play Jordan. Okay, but did that doesn't, doesn't really matter. Like, you didn't get a ring. 
Like you don't win championship. You, this idea that like you can well, if the Warriors didn't exist, yeah, but they do fucking exist. So yeah. like, like that's the reality of the situation. And and they're so, not unbeatable. And they're not unbeatable. They've been beaten. Like I don't like I, I, I don't understand this logic. I think that people have made the Warriors unbeatable. They they've they've painted this image. It's retroactive yeah. bullshit. They do the same thing with the the Bulls now too, where it's like, oh, like everybody knew the Bulls were going to win all those series. No, they didn't. Like oh, in the moment, I mean, in the got, moment, those things were in the balance. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, the the Warriors, the Warriors, the only year that they really seemed unbeatable to me was 2017. And yes. even when, when, when they were beat, and they were beat, which is the craziest part. No, no, no. That was the year after. That's when the first year they had KD. I think he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, before no, yeah, no. I thought the uh, the seventy three win season they were absolutely unbeatable. But uh, no, I yeah, thought that. Then Steph went down. That, that's a whole different topic. Kiki Vandeweghe. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, no, I mean that. That's really the only year that I thought they looked unstoppable. And even then, I remember there being. A lot of people that thought the Cavs were, were going to take them six or seven games. Um, and 2018, you obviously the Rockets taking them seven. And then 2019, I mean, the Clippers got two games off of them. Lou Will and, and Trez Harrell got two games off of the, the, off of the unbeatable Warriors. So I, I never understood this whole, like, it's like you can't even put up a fight against them. Like, they're just that dominant. Like, look, they're the best team in this era, but no one's unbeatable. They they might have lost in 2018 if Paul doesn't get hurt, right? Like that's and I'm not like yeah yeah I'm no not, that's and I'm not yeah and I'm not like I'm not using this in the way like LeBron fans use those these arguments of like I'm not actually trying to detract from them winning the championship that because Chris Paul got hurt. I'm just saying like there exists a reality where Paul doesn't get hurt and they they don't no, win the I series. Heard, I actually heard uh, one one guy on Twitter was explaining this to me and he said. It doesn't. He, he said it, it. It doesn't matter if the Rockets would have won had Chris Paul not gotten injured because Chris Paul getting injured was inevitable. And he means that in the sense that a, it's fucking Chris Paul and he's always injured. In the <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and b, when you rely on two ball handlers as much as Houston did, it's just not sustainable in a seven-game series against the Warriors. Um, yeah. And I, I thought that was a really interesting point because I, I had always I, I always thought the same thing that you did. I, I was like, oh, CP didn't if, C, if CP didn't get injured, they, they probably would have won. And now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, does it even matter though? Because he probably wasn't going to stay healthy no matter what. Yeah, like even I mean, if they we, beat the Warriors, the odds are. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily know that though, but it's it's fair to assume. I just I also think. It's fair to assume that they wouldn't win, and there is a reality that they do, right? It, like you could cut it both ways. I think with yeah. that argument for that year. Yeah. Hey, do you guys want to? I think we're onto something about kind of like true shooting drop off. Do you guys want Giannis's uh twenty eighteen nineteen comps for uh true shooting? I think it was yeah. like what? Like he was like sixty four or something in the regular season, and then sorry, like, so he's sixty like sixty four point four, and then fifty seven. Yeah, that is a huge like that is 57? a bonkers drop off. Yeah, it's seven percent drop off. In yeah. uh, the playoffs, and, like, first. and their entire system is Giannis. Like that's exactly. System. So, like when your main ball handler sufficiently drops that level, like that level of magnitude, of like at least like that's seven percent. Like honestly, Harden's was like four percent. That's a huge difference when 
we're talking like 60 to 55. It's basically like significantly above league average to league average, right? So it's yeah. and you you can't no, do that. So it's a huge gap. That's a huge gap. That's that's the biggest gap I think I've I can remember for a star. Yeah, because if Giannis is just 57 true shooting and all he basically does is get to the rim, it, you basically you you nullified him. You more or less nullified him. Luckily, I think this year he's definitely getting better at like the pull up stuff and shooting threes and making them and stuff. But he's still a couple years away yeah, from. I think from I think there. he's still at least a year away. Um, yeah, from, we yeah, see like, it like like this year he was actually doing a lot more different things, which was great. Well, he was taking he's taking those shots now, which is like half the battle. Right, yeah, like, that's that's important. Like, he needs to take them. Then you saw his efficiency drop because of that, and I think he's, like, a couple, like a year or two away from actually becoming truly unstoppable, which is which is kind of exciting because I really like watching. Well, so, uh, interesting yeah. with Durant. So, Durant, and I'm not using the Golden State years because those numbers are just, like, I mean, <laughs> I know that they weren't unbeatable, but it's also, like, you know, it's just a very that, unique situation. Situation. I don't think yeah. that. So Durant in OKC. I'm I'm eliminating his rookie season. Um, in OKC, he was 61 and a half true shooting the regular season. In the playoffs, he's 57 and a half true shooting. So yeah, like, that's big, yeah, that's a big drop off. And and I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I can pull up Kawhi's right now. Um, but like that to me says something about like Katie is an unstoppable scorer, right? I'm not even. I'm not, they're, there's no way anybody that, can really dispute that. Like really to me. But I do think there's like, you know, uh, I'm not even sure how to explain it. Like, I, I think you can get him to. I, I'm not sure if he is able to. You know, in the playoffs, he's the number one or number two guy on a team that doesn't have the other two greatest shooters in the NBA. Um, like. Is he as dominant as he like? I don't know. It's it's weird. And so okay. So I just looked this up. <laughs> Kawhi is a fucking freak, man. So I'm gonna Kawhi's, Kawhi's letter, letters numbers right now. They're fucking bananas. He was fifty nine point seven for his career in the regular season. His playoff number is sixty one point nine. Like that is crazy. And and this is like and this. I mean, you can eliminate eliminate. The first three years in the Spurs, when he was like really just a role player, if you just look at the last four playoffs he's been in, he's still he's sixty two point two true shooting. So he actually like his usage went up and his efficiency went up with it. Yeah, like I, the Kawhi insane. Like yeah, that twenty sixteen seventeen playoff run, he was his true shooting was sixty seven percent. Yeah, and and like I I was arguing this with my friend the other day, and I was saying like, you know. Kevin Durant, like I like I said, Kevin Durant, career for career, the better player, like the better career. If you're doing an all time list, the better, like he, you rank him above Kawhi. But if you are like, if you're like, you got a game, you have to win a game tomorrow, and you can have one of these two guys. I'm taking Kawhi every time, and I don't even think it's oh, that totally. close. Like I don't, I, think, it's I really close don't think it's close, and I think it's really weird. Like I, I find all of the discussion around Durant so fucking bizarre. Like. Oh yeah, he's obviously better than Stephen Curry. Why? Like, why is that obvious? Like, I don't. I don't even think that's. Tr- it's not true to me at all. Like, like first of all, Kevin Durant hasn't. He's been blessed with great teammates his entire career. Okay, like, you know, people act like he couldn't have won an OKC, which I really don't understand. But like, he's playing with Russ. 
prime Russ. Like he's playing with Ibaka when he was, you know, not 38. Uh, he's mm-hmm. playing with like, you know, I mean, the, that team was good. Like Adams is not an elite, elite player, but he's a solid fucking starting center. And he's definitely better than, you know, Bogut and all these bum ass centers. The, the Warriors been trotting out there. <laughs> like, yeah. He had a legitimate team, and that team could have won the championship. They were up 3-1 against Golden State, and then he shit the bed. Like, that's really what happened. Him and Russ. And Russ gets shit on this. He gets shit on for this all the time. And that's fine. Like, he deserves it. KD choked in those games, too. Like, I mean, and I hate using the word choke because I don't think, like, it was a the pressure got to him. But, like, it was – he didn't – he didn't get it done. It's simple as that. No, like, however it, you want to chalk that up, no, he didn't get it done. No, the got it done. No, that's exactly that's it. Three, yeah, three closeout games. Like to me, a great scorer, a great scorer, will will win one of those games because, like, if you if you just need one game to con- like, they could not control the pace, right? Like, they, like if you look, go back and watch that game six at home. Uh, I mean, that was definitely their best shot. Obviously, closing them out, like. They're up for large stretches of that game, and they just cannot control the pace of the game. And, like, a lot of that is Russ, but a lot of that is KD, too, because KD loves taking his – like, there's a time for taking pull-up threes, okay? There's a time for that. and But then there's a time where, like, if you're up 10, like, especially against the Warriors, it is okay to just slow down and grind it to a halt and, like, take your time in a possession. And, like, th- there's just – I don't – Kawhi is like – I think his IQ and like game intelligence managing the situation is in a different class to somebody like Kevin Durant. So even if their baseline of talent and skills favors Durant, the application of those things in pressure situations um, in and, you know, frankly, like in situations where your team is at a – maybe a talent deficit, it, it elevates Kawhi into a different – category to me like i i don't know maybe he needs another title run to like drive that home to people but you know i've seen enough from Kawhi where i think like you know again if you're giving me one guy for to play for my life like you know (laughs) i'm taking Kawhi over anybody and i think he's comfortably like the the premier scorer right now in the nba i think he's the premier player in the league yeah I, I agree. Oh yeah, he. I agree with that too. He's he's the best player in the league right now. And um, <clears throat> look, I mean, it's no disrespect to Kevin Durant because I think he's top three. But I, I think I think Kawhi in situational basketball is definitely the best. I don't care that he drops whatever fifty points on on the Clippers in the first round. I, I mean, <laughs> that, did a lot, that did a lot for people. And, it, and obviously, Durant is higher up on the all time list. Than Kawhi is, but that's really because Kawhi's had one postseason where it got ended short by Zaza, and then another one where he won a championship. Those are his, and he was the, smacking around KD in that game one. Like people forget that. Like Kawhi was, yeah, he was smacking him around. Yeah, that the game uh, with the the Warriors, like that was the season where he was shooting sixty seven in the playoff, true shooting in the playoff. Like he was absolutely destroying them. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and act like this person won that series. But I mean, situational basketball. I take Kawhi because because of the the points that you alluded to, and I, I would say that Durant's definitely higher on the all time list. But right now, if I need one player in one game, I would take Kawhi Leonard. If I need one player to 
to build a t- it sounds it sounds it sounds like they should be the same answer but if i needed one player to build it to start building a team with for one year i would choose staff because i think that he makes everyone on the floor better than anyone else on the planet does but for one game i would take Kawhi Leonard yeah i mean yeah, Kawhi's that- interesting because like the whole regular season stuff with him is just you know you have to deal with like him wanting half the fucking season off and you know all that shit but like you know once it comes like you just keep that guy healthy for the playoffs and then like you're you're pretty much good you're you're good for at least a conference finals run if Kawhi is yeah. healthy um and like i, I don't know i just the, yeah it's interesting you so you bring up Steph i haven't looked at his regular season playoff stuff. I would imagine the drop-off isn't nearly as significant as people make it out to be. Um, and by people, I mean, like, the weird Lakers, LeBron, Twitter people that, like, also gas up Kevin Durant now for some reason. Um, so, yeah, like, I'll... yeah, it's it's just like, yeah, Steph is just such a unique player. Like, I don't know. I mean, there definitely hasn't been anybody like him before. Um but like just he's kind of to me like the guard version of Tim Duncan like and it's funny to say that cuz Tim Duncan is arguably the most boring player of all time um yeah, Steph that's is, certainly isn't boring <laughs> yeah not boring at all so like but like in in the sense of like how many guys in the at their peak and people act like this is just easy to do and you know I'm reading the Ethan Sherwood Strauss book on it now but like it was actually a concern and it was a big thing like that Steph had to be comfortable with but it is really hard for a guy who had back-to-back MVPs and won a championship to like accept kind of sharing the spotlight with a player in his own class and mm-hmm. um like that is that speaks to and like I don't know that I think this stuff does count when you're talking about the greatness of players like uh, and and you know the greatness of a scorer, like because because Steph can scale down next to KD and still be a monster and still have all of this positive in like effects with his teammate. But like, there's a reason, and you know, it's reductive to just say like, well, when Steph Curry was out, the Warriors' offense really sucked, and then like, but like when KD was out, but Steph was on, they were still amazing like it's that's very reductive because of a lot of things but like it does say something like if if durant is as good as stephen curry i don't think the drop-off should be that significant what i do think is that the warriors specifically needed that and like they got the best one that exists but like they needed a guy that could score in iso um and like take advantage of mismatches in a way that i don't know if curry can't like i mean he can't like he he's got to dance and like get off pull up threes right like that's kind of how he takes advantage um when he gets a switch but like the the warriors really needed that half court iso guy um to to separate from the cleveland like that lebron kyrie team mm-hmm. um i think curry's like, size limits him to being that player right it's just the right, fact that he's right. Six what six three and Durant seven foot. That's pretty right. much. I think that's what it comes down to. But yeah, you're right. They need someone who can just 
run in the high post and like isolate and could also make reads off it and, too. And that, but that but that and like the thing is that doesn't make Kevin Durant better than Stephen Curry. Like that no. just makes him better for what they needed. <laughs> right. 